Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferens. A change of heart after two years opposing the union, Starbucks now wants to reach an agreement. Southwest Airlines flight attendants say no to a tentative deal. And today on the show, the latest from the Communication Workers of America and the Brotherhood of Maintenance Way Employees. Welcome to the Tuesday. December 12th edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least five platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. Mr. Frank Matthews will be our first guest on the show today. Longtime supporter of America's Workforce comes to us as District 4 Administrative Director for the Communication Workers of America. National website, cwa-union.org. And once again, District 4 encompasses... The great states of Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Wisconsin, as well as Michigan. And I'll tell you, some big news announced last week. The CWA announced comprehensive new principles to guide union bargaining and public policy engagement over the implementation of artificial intelligence technologies in the workplace. You've been hearing a whole lot about AI this year, and there's a lot of people that are concerned about what the future will bring. This is posted on the uh, the national website. As American workers confront an uncertain future navigating the disruptive force of AI in the workplace, well, collective bargaining is one of the most powerful tools workers have to preserve the dignity of work and ensure that working families share in increased economic prosperity. Union contracts can set the rules for AI adoption, ensuring that workers have input into the design and implementation of new technologies and that new tools supplement and empower workers rather than automating and de-skilling. Claude Cummings Jr. is the new president at the CWA. He was elected several months ago. He's quoted as saying, AI has the potential to build prosperity and unleash human creativity, but, but only if it works for working people. We are taking a member-first approach and demanding that working Americans have a voice guaranteed by their union contract in how AI shapes the future of work. And we're talking about some of the principles for bargaining, which include number one, accountability, then proactive bargaining, and lastly, meaningful worker voices. So we'll talk about that, and we'll also touch on the importance of neutrality. Microsoft recently agreed to convert a group of subcontract temporary workers to unionize employees. Now, back in January, the company agreed to collectively bargain with ZeniMax Workers United. They're an affiliate of the CWA that represents 300 quality assurance workers at ZeniMax, which is a Microsoft-owned video game studio. Well, 
As part of ongoing talks with the union, it agreed that 77 contract workers doing similar work would join the bargaining unit. These workers had technically been employed by a staffing agency until now. In addition to converting the subcontracted workers into union employees, the contract also includes provisions pertaining to the use of artificial intelligence. And if ratified, the contract will require Microsoft to notify the union whenever planned AI implementation may impact work performed. That's important. The other part of the story is that Microsoft has taken the lead when it comes to workers who want to join a union. Frank and I talked about this in previous shows. They said, you know what? If the workers want to join a union, they should have that right. We're not going to fight it. That's called neutrality. We'll touch on that and we'll also get an update uh, on broadband expansion, which is a big part of the bipartisan Infrastructure and Jobs Act. Later in the show, we're going to check in with Tony Cardwell. Tony is the president of the Brotherhood of Maintenance Way Employees. He's had that position since June of last year. And I'll tell you, a lot has happened in the last year. You may recall at this time, there was a lot of concern over paid sick leave. Well, a lot of the railroads have given in to the demands of the unions. Uh, Some need to go a little bit further. We'll touch on that. We're also going to touch on uh, rail safety. There's some legislation in Congress dealing with that. And from uh, all indications, it's not going anywhere, which is very frustrating. I mean, we're coming up to the first anniversary of that horrible train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. That was in February of this year. And we haven't seen any movement on rail safety. Another issue is precision scheduled railroading and Tony's going to take a look at 2024 and see how the landscape looks for the Brotherhood of Maintenance Way employees. Again, the website is bmwe.org. What's happening in our world of labor? Let's find out this segment on America's Workforce brought to you by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, offering fixed income, real estate and equity investment options to clients nationwide. You can find more at BoydWatterson.com. After two years of opposing unionization of U.S. stores, last Friday, Starbucks committed to reaching labor agreements with the union, Starbucks Workers United, and they're going to do it starting in January. How about that? The uh, new commitment, it's reported, may be the result of recent strike efforts protesting understaffing. Well, here's, uh, here's what we've been able to gather. Starbucks chief partner officer, Sarah Kelly, sent a letter to the president of the union, Starbucks Workers United, that would be Lynn Fox, asking to restart bargaining in January, saying that the current impasse should not be acceptable to either of us. Good point. In that letter, Starbucks doubled down on its requirement to conduct bargaining only in person, which is a condition that frustrated the union's efforts to increase worker participation. Now, Fox says the union is still reviewing the letter, but has never, never declined a meeting with the company. The union is pushing to organize more of Starbucks 10,000 locations and to ratify contracts that address wage increases schedule flexibility, health and safety, and access to benefits. And right now, they have successfully organized well over 300 stores. In a two-thirds vote against 
against flight attendants at Southwest Airlines rejected a tentative contract offer. 95% of eligible members voted. The contract negotiations were a near five-year ordeal, and flight attendants were working under a contract that expired in 2018. The proposal offered flight attendants a 20% wage increase in the first year of the contract, followed by 3% annual increases for the remaining four years. Now, the attendants, who are represented by the Transport Workers Union Local 556, say that these increases do not do enough to bring workers up to a livable wage. New hires are starting at wages negotiated. You ready for this? Nine years ago, 2014. In the meantime, flight attendants from American, Alaska, and United Airlines are also negotiating contracts. American attendants requested a release from mediation, which would have allowed them to strike after a 30-day cooling-off period. This request was denied, but the Association of Professional Flight Attendants is prepared to request again if the talks do not get off the ground. Unite Here Local 11. This is out in the West Coast. They announced that they have reached tentative agreements with four Hilton hotels throughout Southern California. The agreements will cover about 1,800 workers across the four hotels. The union will release specific details of the agreements if they are ratified, but has said the agreements will raise wages, strengthen pensions, and improve health care. Now, this union, pretty large. They represent more than 15,000 housekeepers, cooks, dishwashers, servers, also front desk workers in roughly 60 hotels in Los Angeles and Orange Counties. Since their previous contracts expired at the end of June, the union has reached tentative agreements with nine hotels. However, the union hopes the holidays and the Hollywood award season will help pressure the companies to settle negotiations. Now, Get this, the hotels have been accused of exploiting unhoused migrants, including migrant children, to replace striking workers. And last week, California Democrats in the House sent a letter to the Department of Labor and FEMA requesting that the agencies investigate the hotels. Can you believe that? And one more here before we break. Jacob Morrison, co-host of the Valley Labor Report, touched on this in our show yesterday. And if you missed the show, it's up awpodcast.com. More than a thousand workers at Volkswagen's Tennessee factory have signed cards authorizing a vote on representation by the United Auto Workers, which is the first plant in the country to reach that milestone in the UAW's quest to organize more than a dozen non-union factories. The union said that the VW workers signed on in less than a week. So obviously there's a lot of excitement there. That factory in Chattanooga employs about 3,800 people who make the Volkswagen ID4 electric vehicle and the Atlas family of gas-powered SUVs. It could. It could become the first test of the union strategy to simultaneously try to organize non-union plants. The UAW said workers have complained about mistreatment by management, including 
mandatory overtime on Saturdays, and they're seeking higher pay. Now, in November, Volkswagen gave workers an 11% pay raise at the plant. The raises came after UAW members ratified new contracts with the big three. The union says VW's pay lags behind what workers make at UAW plants. Now, in a statement, VW said it is proud of the world-class production environment it has created in Chattanooga and said the pay and benefits show a commitment to employees. Top assembly plant workers make just over $32 per hour. VW said it believes in dialogue with workers so they can help shape the work environment. However, the union says, you know what? There's a lot of other issues here, and we are going to do our best in trying to organize. We'll keep you posted on that one. All right, quick break. Frank Matthews on behalf of the Communication Workers of America coming up next. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferrens. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. We're the nurses, firefighters, and claims representatives that help keep our government services running. We respond to natural disasters. We care for our nation's veterans. And we investigate discrimination in the workplace. We are federal and D.C. government workers. And we are proud to serve the American people. Working in more than 70 agencies across the government, we know we can fulfill our mission because our union has our back. Learn more at AFGE.org. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. You can find more at IFPTE.org. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The United, United Steelworkers. Steel the largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in, in the, the US, US, Canada, and, and the, the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steelworkers. Standing strong and fighting for what's right. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Communication Workers of America. You can find more at cwa-union.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. AWF Union Podcast. Well, you know, Christmas is right around the corner, less than two weeks. And if you're doing some shopping, and I know you are, especially the guys listening to America's Workforce, you might want to check out the 2023 Made in America Holiday Gift Guide. Just go to AmericanManufacturing.org, AmericanManufacturing.org. And they have a list featuring more than 200 companies that manufacture products made in the United States. And they've been doing this for 10 years. It's their 10th anniversary and uh, this year, they've included both new gift ideas and old favorites, so do check them out. 
You got ideas from every state, all 50 states, along with the District of Columbia and Puerto Rico. So do check it out. Good stuff there. Really good stuff. AmericanManufacturing.org. All right, let's go to line number one. Welcome a longtime supporter of America's workforce. That would be Frank Matthews on behalf of the Communication Workers of America, cwa-union.org. And I I went to the website last night. I go, holy smoke, there's a lot going on. We're going to start off with uh, ZeniMax workers. And Frank, welcome back to the show. How how, Do you have all your holiday shopping done? I mean, you're one of the many guys that usually waits to the last minute, right? Oh, I'm a last-minute guy. And thank goodness my wife, she she thrives on Christmas, and this is her time of year. And so... You know, there's a running joke that many times uh, we I find out what the kids got the same time they find out because my wife's taking care of most of that ahead of time. But uh, and I'm not she's such a great shopper too. Flash, I'm one of these guys that goes into the store and just buys it, grabs it, and goes and wants to get out. But you you got to really thrive in that sort of environment to do well during the Christmas season. Boy, I'm with you on the on the wife thing. I, you know, when we're under the tree, we do our celebration on on Christmas Eve, and I, I look at them. You bought the grandkids what? <laughs> How much did you spend on that? <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, it is a great time of year, and yep. do uh, do I do encourage you and and all the members of the CWA and all our listeners to check out that website, the Made in America Holiday Gift Guide. Good stuff there, and you can still there's plenty of time to get the the mail ordering done. So do check that out, AmericanManufacturing.org. Okay, let, talk to me about Zenimax workers. And I know you and I have been having a number of discussions about the gaming industry, which right. is a booming industry, and the people that are that are behind it are making a whole lot of money. And we're talking long hours, hard work. Uh, it's it's engaging work. I know the people like it, but you know, bottom line is we we got to get the unions in there, and the CWA right. has been doing a lot of organizing. And uh, the, the thing about it, and I mentioned this at the top of the show, is, is the neutrality part. It's so important. Frank, can you imagine how many people would be in a union today if all companies were like Microsoft and, and <laughs> issued a neutrality agreement? Do you realize how many people would be in unions today? Do you ever think of that? Oh, my God. It would be, it would, the numbers would be huge because, you know, as we've talked over the last couple of years, especially through COVID and post-COVID, the the sheer percentage of Americans, over 70%, that either are, are in favorable unions or wish they could be in one, um, you know, are, are the numbers, uh, union favorability is at its highest ever. So, um, you know, and, and COVID sh- shined a lot of light on that, but uh, just people have, people realize that, Left up to their own devices, corporate America and CEOs probably are going to worry about themselves first and not worry about them as the American worker, you know, uh, as a priority. So they got to have that voice in the workplace. And, and, and we didn't find out. We found out really how important that was during COVID where the, the union shops and the union employees fared far better through that uh really bad time because they did have that voice uh you know on the job so talk to me about uh, zenimax workers and uh, because of the neutrality with microsoft now we have a unprecedented union contract involving almost 400 members so i'll let you pick right. it up from there right zenimax is their subsidiary of microsoft 
and uh, the they Zenimax. What they do? They're a video game production company that people these gamers know the games I'm talking about. They produce and engineer and make the games like Doom, Quake Champions, Fallout, um, those games. Um, but uh, they uh, they recently got a tentative agreement, and um, it covers in addition to you know the obvious items that a TA would cover. It covers um, AI, artificial intelligence, and um, this is a term that we've we've started to hear. You know, about once a week, you'll hear it on the news. People worried or talking about artificial intelligence and 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 computers and 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 and, and, um, and how that's going to affect the American workers. So, part of the the tentative agreement is that Zenimax committed that when implementing any artificial intelligence into their uh, computers or their 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 management structure or their company structure, A, they have to be human-centered, they have to be fair, reliable and safe, private and secure, inclusive, transparent, and accountable. And I, those are a lot of really broad terms, but I, to me what that means is it's worker first. Um, you know there's going to be a lot of opportunity. AI is supposed to have a lot of... Um, enhanced production capabilities, but we need to make sure that the workers aren't left in the wake. And as these companies make more and more money off of AI and, and the like, that that, that the workers um, aren't left in the wake of this and aren't left behind. And, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty... Um, Sometimes I say it's scary. It's pretty scary stuff. What sometimes AI can do, and for for the listeners, AI is a, a, a myriad of things. But like when you when you call a company to whereas you may have previously got a voice person, when you get that computer that actually listens to what you're saying, and if you say the word bill pay or you say the word service problem and it actually trunks you, that is a form of AI, artificial intelligence. You're not talking to a human person, you're talking to an artificial form of intelligence. And I guess the capabilities of this and the 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 the, the directions that this thing can go are mind boggling. So to get ahead of it like this for these folks is phenomenal. And to to get on the front end to where you're not turning around two years later and saying, hey, I, I wish we would have, have done something different. Um, you know, CWA, um, President uh, um, Cummings, uh, has recognized this. And um, to quote him, uh, you know, and that's the best thing to do here in this case, he basically said uh, at the first of this month that, you know, artificial intelligence has the potential to build a lot of prosperity and unleash human creativity, but only if it works for working people. And, you know, CWA, we're taking a member-first approach that on anything dealing artificial intelligence, we got to think member-first, worker-first. And, um, you know, to the point where a CWA... Um, 
early in the year appointed a artificial intelligence committee, and it was uh, members from all across the country that worked in these kinds of um, uh, uh, companies uh, that telecommunications, journalism, technology, uh, regular CWA members, alphabet workers, um, uh, CWA code workers, all who work uh, in these uh, alphabet workers at CWA, they already work on AI systems at Google and Alphabet Incorporated. So uh, CWA and President Cummings created this big committee and came up with some, um, you know, some uh, guidelines. And I think based on these guidelines, that really helped when the Zenimax uh, folks were looking to get a tentative agreement. You know, the, the three biggies that the committee came up with, accountability, um, and that basically just says uh, CWA leaders and members will not accept the effects of AI system, AI, will not just give up and say that, the, the effects of AI are inevitable or predetermined. We're going to hold company executives and managements accountable for the impacts of their divisions or decisions, and any decision that has a adverse effect on workers, customers, and communities, we're going to be looking at very closely. And proactive bargaining, like this was, getting ahead of it and and making companies realize that. You know, the union and the employees need to be considered in this and um, an early and meaningful voice. So, uh, you know, we got to have a worker voice at every stage of the development and implementation of AI. So I know it's a lot, and it's, it's kind of Dick Tracy stuff, but it's here. And uh, getting ahead of it is, is, is so important, Flash. Dick Tracy stuff. Boy, that takes me back. That was my favorite comic. <laughs> I know. Comic. We're dating ourselves, aren't we? <laughs> Sometimes oh, I, I feel Dick like Tracy. Pruneface, but uh, no, that's an old term. If anybody knows who Pruneface was from Dick Tracy, I, I, they'd probably like to have coffee with us, but I don't know that the younger <laughs> folks know who Pruneface is. Frank Matthews joining us on our live line today. He is the administrative director for District 4, the CWA. National website, cwa-union.org. There's a lot of stuff posted there. We'll continue with Frank. We'll get an update on broadband. Later in the show, we're going to check in with Tony Cardwell on behalf of the Brotherhood of Maintenance Way Employees, which is part of the International Brotherhood of Teamsters. Back in a few minutes, you're listening to America's Workforce. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A. Attention members of the Heat and Frost Insulators Union who are interested in traveling. Central Ohio has more construction projects on the books than anywhere in the U.S. Mega projects, large and medium-sized jobs are creating more work than our local 50 brothers and sisters can handle. Projects like Intel, the Honda LG battery plant, 
and multiple data centers for Facebook. Google and Amazon offer union wages, overtime, and exciting incentives. Local 50 is seeking union travelers to meet the needs of its signatory contractors who can put you to work immediately. If you're a member in good standing and interested in the work opportunities in Central Ohio, visit insulators50.com forward slash AWF travel for more information. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Ironworkers. You can find more at ironworkers.org. America's Workforce appreciates our sponsor, the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council, who represents more than 18,000 workers from 19 affiliated local unions and district councils. America's Workforce is presented by the Labor's International Union of North America. Feel the power right now at liuna.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And don't forget, you can check us out on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. And when you get an opportunity, just sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings, so please keep them coming. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the Ohio Federation of Teachers, and you can find more at oh.aft.org. Let's go back to our live line. And rejoin Mr. Frank Matthews on behalf of the Communication Workers of America, cwa-union.org. All right. It's the end of the year. It's been a pretty good year for organized labor. A lot of new contracts, double-digit wage increases. Looking forward to uh, 2024. I'd like to touch on that, but uh, also a big part of uh, next year and the years beyond broadband. Broadband. There's a lot of people in this country that do not have access to the Internet. And Frank, how many conversations you and I have had over the years? Think about when the telephone came out. Not everybody had a telephone, but boy, we needed a telephone to communicate. Well, we're in that kind of same situation today. So talk to me about uh, what you see for broadband in 2024, okay? Okay, yeah, we're, we're coming out of the planning stages in most of the states. Thank goodness, uh, President Biden's uh, broadband and infrastructure program uh, it, it has a, a major plank of it called BEAD, and that stands for Broadband Equity Access and Deployment of Broadband, essentially. And um, there's billions of dollars in this for each, you know, for states across the country. Um, So what states have been doing over the last year and a half or so is coming up with their their BEAD program, their broadband, equity, access, and deployment. And, you know, each state comes up with their own set of rules, and it's been, it's been, hard, but um, CWA created this broadband brigade, which we've got a couple folks in each state that work on, A, educating local communities, educating local leaders on the definitions of broadband, uh, fiber, coax, the different speeds, um, and then they're also working on uh, each state comes out with a couple different phases of how they're going to deploy this bead program. Based on all this, then the federal government's going to award money to the states. It's my understanding that the minimum a state can get a hundred million. So if a state comes out with a really, really great plan, they're going to get hundreds of millions of dollars for broadband. So our folks have been working very hard, uh, and um, you know. 
our biggest, our big mantra has been that, A, we should go with fiber optic because, to your point, 100 years ago when they built the telephone network across this country, they built it right the first time, and that copper network lasted 100 years. Yep. When we build this thing, Flash, we better build it right the first time. So let's do it with fiber optic cable. Let's do it. And fiber optic is infinite, whereas copper and coax and wireless are very limited on their top-end speeds of delivery of broadband. They're just they're throttled. They're limited. They're just because of science, they can't do that 800,000 meg service that we're told that 10 years down the road, you know, we're talking right now, if people have 100 to 400 meg service in their house, they think they're they're flying. Well, we're being told in 10 years, if you don't have 800 to 1,000 megs, you're going to be on behind the game because of the because of the types of things that are going to be uh, be streaming at that time. So basically our message is let's build it right the first time. Let's do fiber when we can, and let's use high-road employers, uh, employers that follow safety standards, employers that pay a living wage, employers that um, maybe haven't been uh, rode up for um, – uh, wage theft violations, employers who maybe haven't been wrote up for worker or misclassification, things like that. Those really high road employers, those employers that are in your state, um, let's get not only a great broadband network, but let's also reward employees and citizens in your own state by, you know, giving them the contract. So that sets the table where we're at. Now, most states have come up with with uh, two different types of plans, a phase one and phase two, which is the, the, the broadband equity and access, and then phase two would be the deployment, how they're going to deploy it. Um, as I said, we've been commenting all along. One of the rewards of this is here in the last week, Governor Evers up in Wisconsin um, just signed into effect a bill, I think the number was 325, uh, that actually uh, was very pro-fiber, and it revised the definition of unserved to um, 100 megs, uh, for lack of a term. Around the country, and per the bead program, the definition of unserved was down around 25 meg. Um, and the definition of underserved was 100 meg. Well, what this does, and, and the huge implication of this is, per the bead program, the money has to go to unserved areas first. Mm. So when Governor Evers changed the classification, basically he made the, the rules for for underserved the same as unserved. So that opens up all that money to everybody in the state and doesn't limit it. So an example of how that pays off, if you're in an area where you have, say, say 50 meg service right now, whereas under the bead rules or under the, the national bead program, maybe you wouldn't qualify for that first phase of money. You would qualify for the second or third. Now you're going to qualify. Everybody that's under that, 50 or 50 or under or 100 or under is going to qualify. So that has huge implications of, of 
just how quick this stuff's going to be rolled out in Wisconsin. And those are the kinds of things that our members are 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 trying to get done on the front end of this because once the build starts, it's going to be incredible. And people who have been maybe standing outside with, you know, on one leg trying to get good wireless signal, that once these networks get built, um, it has the it has the uh, potential to change America and change uh, just uh, people's lives with the broadband speeds they're going to get. So let's do it right. Let's build it forever. And uh, you know, uh, I think that's that's where we're at because, um, uh, as you know, in so many of these things, the 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 hard work's on the front end and the devil's in the details. Yep. And um, I really, really am tickled to death with how this is how this is turning out in many of our states. And um, and uh, you know, and let's not forget uh, President Biden's. Uh, infrastructure program that this is all coming out of, and mm-hmm. the recog- and and just being able to recognize that, you know, that broadband is infrastructure, no different than roads or bridges, which are also included in a different part of this program. But uh, it's it's a really exciting time, Flash, and uh, and and has the potential to mean a lot to working families in this country. Frank, what really stands out in this conversation today is two things. Good policy, which we have seen good policy, excellent policy come out of the first two years of this administration. But the other part of that is implementation of that policy. And I like what you said about Wisconsin, because that's a pro-worker governor there. He's got a union background, Tony Evers. So he's making sure that that implementation is going to be fair. And it's going to help, like you said, the underserved population. Let's take care of them first and then spread it around. So I, I, that's, a, that's a great, great thing that's happening. And it's going to continue to happen for years to come. I think, what is it, like something like $65, $66 billion for broadband yeah. in that? Isn't it something like that? Yeah, it's, it's, it's life-altering to some people, that are the folks that are installing it. And then at the end, imagine if you didn't have fiber in your community before. And, you know, so many of these, and I know we're, you know, I don't want to stretch this out longer than needs be, but so many of these companies that want to come into an area, the first question they ask is, how fast your fiber or what kind of broadband do you have in your area? If you have no broadband, then you're off the map. There's right. so many of these rural and outlying communities now that are going to be able to their their um you know their their department of commerce is in their community they're going to be able to have that as a sales pitch and and now maybe because of this act 10 years down from the road 10 years down the road some company comes to your area and builds a heck of a factory and i mean this thing is like a domino effect and and the front end is is getting in the fiber and getting the infrastructure and the back end is the jobs will come you know that the term if you build it they will come i really think that applies here yep yeah it's pro business there's no doubt about it frank matthews on behalf of the communication workers of america cwa-union.org frank serving as district four administrative director you take care my friend best of the holiday season to you and the team over there at the CWA, and we'll do this again in January, okay? You too, brother. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. All right, quick break. Tony Cardwell heads the Brotherhood of Maintenance Way employees, and he is coming up next. This is America's Workforce. 
It takes Lyuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, delivering critical services such as healthcare and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with Lyuna. Find out what it takes for Lyuna to keep America running at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. The Heat and Frost Insulators and Allied Workers are proud to be a title sponsor for America's Workforce Radio. The Insulators Union is leading the way in the mechanical insulation industry, fire stopping, and infectious disease control. Regarded as North America's energy conservation specialist, these professionals are known for their professional work and dedication. You can learn more about the Insulators Union at insulators.org. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Auto Workers. Find more at uaw.org. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, where you can find more at teamster.org. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at boydwatterson.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Steelworkers. You can find more at usw.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast, AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the United Labor Agency. You can find more at ulagency.org. Let's go to line number two. Welcome back to the show. Love talking to this guy. Tony Cardwell is his name. He is president of the Brotherhood of Maintenance Way Employees, which has been a division of the International Brotherhood of Teamsters in 2004. They merged with the Teamsters and consolidated their strength with a giant union. We're talking over a million members in the Teamsters. And I'll tell you, it's been an interesting year in the railroad. We start off with this uh, derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. But right before that, all railroads were in the national news because of the lack of paid sick leave. Well, we've made a dent in that, a pretty good dent. Tony Cardwell, welcome back to the show. I'd just like to pick it up from there. Um, you, you definitely moved the needle in the right direction, um, but obviously we can always move it a little bit more. So what do you think what happened here in 2023 with regard to paid sick leave? Go ahead, my brother. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me on again. I appreciate it. Uh, you guys have a great program. Um, yeah, we've made some huge advancements uh, we, in in the paid sick leave arena. Um, the, the BMWED has made uh, multiple agreements. Uh, we're proud, and, and I would say that you know we helped lead rail labor. There's twelve, 12 other crafts. We're one of the largest, um, but we helped lead rail labor and helped them help lead them in in, in the sick leave fight, and and ultimately ended up with the very first agreement. Um, I think we've discussed this before with CSX Railroads, um, and we now have completed uh, numerous agreements with all the, uh, there's six major class ones who are missing an agreement with one of them. We're about ready to sign an agreement uh, with 
uh, one of the Canadian railroads because we had two missing ones, but we still are we're meeting with the uh, Canadian Pacific Railroad, and that would be the final class one railroad that we would sign agreement. We're meeting with them. Uh, let's see, we're meeting with them tomorrow. So um, we're going to have some discussions and try to finalize some sick leave agreements there. Uh, that would be all six class ones if we achieve an agreement with them, and I think we're going to we're getting there. We're close. Um, with that being said, we've also worked through the various different short lines, and there's numerous short lines. So we're working through all the short lines uh, and going one by one and, and trying to get agreements with them. A couple have been pretty stubborn. Uh, we have one out of Louisiana that's been fighting us on it and won't won't move, but we think we're going to get them to move. They're they're uh, uh, experiencing an immense amount of pressure for for not. Uh, not working with us on this, so um, uh, but we're moving railroad by railroad and and uh, getting one after another to to uh, provide sick leave for their employees. Uh, what they're finding is it's really embarrassing when they when they stand their ground and try not to provide sick leave. It's just not a good fight to to have in the public arena. People don't understand it, and just people in general don't. You know, most people have the ability to call in sick, and so when they find out that railroaders don't, when the, when the work is so crucial to the e-commerce, e I think they understand that, you know, they've got to move on the issue. So we, we've had a lot of success in that arena, and, and, and I think, uh, you know, probably by the end of this year, uh, early next year, I'd say first quarter next year, we'll have agreements with every railroad property as a goal, so and we'll continue to work on that. Well, Tony, that's a perfect example of workers raising their voices with, with leadership like the Brotherhood of Maintenance Way and getting things done and, and getting it done right away. I mean, well, it didn't happen overnight, but, but I'll tell you, this was a huge issue, and you made incredible strides on it, incredible strides. So congratulations on that. Uh, Union yeah, Pacific. It, it goes to our members. Our members have really, really, uh, you know, the grassroots movement has been crucial to it. Uh, they've been on local news stations and local newspapers calling their senators and Congress people and elected representatives to assure this gets done. So I mean, a lot of credit to the working members that took the time, their own time to really push these issues as well. Let's switch gears here. I want to talk about Union Pacific. And uh, right before the holidays, over over a thousand people laid off. What the heck is going on here? Yeah, there's a little bit of a backdrop here. I'll explain on, on this. Uh, there has been layoffs historically, but the railroads have reduced their workforce so drastically, that particularly Union Pacific. And it's, you know, come to the table when these happen, saying that we want, because of the workforce reduction, that, you know, we want to have a stabilized workforce where we don't have layoffs. And so there haven't been for the last few years, and then all of a sudden we get slammed with a heavy layoff again this year. Uh, and they're using the excuse that, you know, they were over budget and all these different things. Well, um, you know, that's dangerous to the public is our opinion. When we cut the workforce so low that it, it causes deferred maintenance, and they would argue that it doesn't, but we definitely argue that it does. When you when you reduce your workforce, you know, on that particular property by about 25%, it's tough to – it's t tough to uh, – to, to get the work done and to assure safety of track. And, and so we raised issue with the STB. The STB is an oversight agency from the government, an important oversight agency from the government. And the STB uh, has really stepped in and, and um, taken, taken exception to it. Uh, the workforce 
on Union Pacific Railroad since 2016 was cut by 33%. This is in light of East Palestine, which East Palestine, you know, was a Nash, uh, Norfolk Southern Railroad issue, but it, we don't want another East Palestine on any other railroad. Sure. And one of the concerns was the reduction of workforce on that property. And one of the, you know, we believe one of the causes of derailment was the reduction of workforce for the carmen on that side of the property. But a lot of them are track caused. And I, you know, I oversee the union for the, uh, for the, uh, the track workers, the guys that do the repairs on the track. And the concern is that, you know, when you have deferred maintenance like that, it's, you know, we're going to have another incident in one of these properties. It, it I would encourage everyone to go watch John Oliver did a uh, did a 30 minute um, kind of of humor. It's humorous, but it's amazing video on on uh, the state of the railroad. I encourage everyone to go watch that. It's very funny. He's a funny man. He's I think he's still on HBO if I'm not mistaken. But he just recently did a a 30 minute kind of spiel of the state of the railroad. It's probably the most truthful. Uh, release of the state of the railroad I've seen, uh, and it's a, it's an amazing kind of overview, and it's important to to watch things like that and understand where we are at and in the railroad stage because it's it, it, particularly for you know the general public safety, it's an important issue, and so this reduction of workforces has caused uh, some deferred maintenance, and we're concerned about it, and so we you know blew the whistle on it and said this is you know. This is not okay, and 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 uh, fortunately, we have a supportive administration that came in and and uh, took you know really took this issue up, and and uh, I think UP is coming around. We met with them the other day. Uh, we it looks like the guys are going to be coming back to work soon, so um, they're work they're working with us to get it right. So we're hopeful that they'll uh, do do the right thing this time. Yeah, we're talking 1,300 furloughs here, but the good news is it sounds like you're going to try to get them back as soon as possible. But, but the story itself blew my mind because I know there's a lack of people in rail. I mean, this has been going on for years here. I think the total is like a 40% decline going back to a pre, pre-pandemic time. So that one I just couldn't understand. Let's move on. Good news here regarding high-speed rail, and it's my understanding, I guess you were uh, – Meeting with President Biden just a couple of days ago. That had to be an interesting conversation. Can you uh, can you share a few tidbits with our listeners, Tony? Yeah, it's been pretty awesome. It's been a great experience. Uh, we've worked really, really hard to secure a bunch of the IIJ funding and other grants that are being put out by the FRA. We were able to get $16 million for uh, Amtrak, which is hugely important because they have some infrastructure issues. That'll be uh, very, very important for our members too. And so we have a lot of money going into infrastructure to rebuild some of the uh, very important structures on the Amtrak East Coast corridor. Um, And those are really, really important. But on high-speed rail, uh, we've been working hard, and BMWDs, uh, you know, we're proud to say we've been leading the way, and we've been um, putting together uh, some letters of understanding with various different private industry uh, interested in building high-speed rail. And ultimately, there's some plans that are actually up front and some that have already been started, and they needed some of this funding, so we partnered with these folks. We were able to raise that funding for them and ultimately get to a place to where they received, you know, a couple different companies, High Speed Rail in California, 
had received, uh, you know, about $3 billion in grants, 3.1, I believe. And we were able to raise uh, over $3 billion for um, a company called Brightline. And they're building a high-speed rail corridor between Los Angeles and Las Vegas. These agreements were paramount because ultimately they had a lot of private money raised, but not enough. And, and needed to get over that hump, and, and signing an agreement with us really helped them get over that hump. That guarantees uh, a unionized workforce for us, and ultimately um, it's going to uh, give them the high-skilled employees that they need to operate a high-speed rail in America, which has you know, never been done before. We've been calling for it for years, and naturally we haven't you know, been able to get – to get any any high speed rail in America, and, also, and now we have a company that's going to be have a completed line by 2028. So it'll be in in place and in operation uh, before the Olympics in LA, and we're going to have uh, you know a two hour high speed rail ride between uh, LA and Las Vegas, which is a huge deal. And so we were able to you know Biden came to Las Vegas, and we were able to sit down and talk to him with him for a minute about these uh, issues and he had a uh, rally afterwards it was it's exciting it's an exciting time for rail in america because we've been looking for high-speed rail you know it's been around since the 80s and and ultimately uh there hasn't been success and we've been able to make some partners and find some people that are interested in in doing this and and advance their cause and, and get this completed uh, financially, which the money's got to be there to get it done. So it's there now. The property's been purchased. All the all the um, all the the uh, licensing's in place, and we're going to have high-speed rail in America starting in 2028. Shortly thereafter, uh, California high-speed rail should be in place. These are 200 mile an hour trains, so it's it's going to be awesome. It's going to be a, a great experience to ride a train in America which, you know, we've been asking for for years and, and, and really pushing for for years. Um, and so we're excited. The simple structure's coming in. We think that it's going to really help, uh, you know, American people get to where they need to be. It's obviously green and safer and uh, all the good things. So we're, we're excited about this. And we're very excited to be part of it. And uh, it was an honor to sit down with President Biden and, and, and talk to him about these things and, and have his support on this. Certainly long overdue, high-speed rail. Tony Cardwell joining us in our live line today. Tony, president of the Brotherhood of Maintenance Way employees. Do check out their uh, national website, bmwe.org, for that John Oliver video that he was talking about. Yeah, humor has a way of getting the message across. Definitely check that out. That'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce. Coming up tomorrow, Sean McGarvey of the National Building Trades and the Texas American Federation of Teachers. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful day. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce Radio Podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.